We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hi everyone, this is Christina. And this is MJ. And this is another episode of Spooky Tales, the podcast where we tell you all about spooky things, haunted places in Latin America and sometimes other places. Today we are talking about caves, right? Caves and legends that have to do with caves, I guess. <laughs> it's like a cave, cave adjacent legends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I think that uh, sums it up pretty well. Yeah. Um, but first, a listener story. And this was uh, sent to us via email. If you have a story that you want to send in for us to read, uh, you can email it to spookytales at gmail.com or you can DM us on any of our socials. Either one is fine. Let me go ahead and read this. Hello, MJ and Christina. My name is Ray or Raymundo. And this story took place in Arlington, Texas. I want to tell you about the time my mom had a kind of spooky encounter. Oh, let me pause first. Trigger warning for suicide, child death, murder. Yeah, that is that is the trigger warning for just a listener's story. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now I will continue. For a little context, my mom's friend's daughter was unalived, parentheses, drowned in a lake by her abusive husband, who later unalived himself in a different lake. His body was found first, so it was thought that they were both in the same lake. The police looked and the case was on the news here. The mom visited many mediums who told her that her daughter was still alive, except for one who charged her nothing and told her that her daughter was no longer alive. Fast forward to one night where it was my mom, her friend, and two other friends. They were together just trying to help the friend who had lost her child. All of a sudden, they heard the doorbell ring and one of the friends went. There was nobody there. This happened two more times and the same thing occurred. Nobody was there when they opened the door. Then it happened again and my mom told her friend to tell her daughter to come inside. Everyone was like, huh, what? And confused. But the friend went and said, Entra mija, te estábamos esperando. Enter my daughter, we were waiting for you. And that's when the mom started crying. That's when she finally knew it was her daughter. The bell ringing stopped after that. This was not the first time my mom has seen something to do with the dead. My abuelita is the same. As for me, I have really strong feelings of bad things and concerns when things happen. I always wondered if I have some type of don, gift, or if it's all coincidental. Sadly, the mom had three children that were taken from them because of their father. That is sad. Sad. I love the podcast and can't wait to hear more. I know it's a long story, but I hope... Um, okay, I'm going to skip that because he was just asking us to include it in the next episode, which we're already doing. So yes, that is the story and the sad one. Mm -hmm. So presumably the daughter that was killed in the lake was the one ringing the doorbell. It's pretty clear, but I don't know if anyone might have missed that. <laughs> okay, who did I say was going first? You. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Okay. Okay, so my uh, story is about some caves and some brujos from Chile. I said it's cave adjacent because only some of it has to do with the cave. Mm -hmm. But it was 
It's pretty interesting. I actually heard a little bit about them on Leyendas Legendarias. They have like, it's like one of their early, early episodes. They cover a bunch of cryptids or creatures or legends from different countries. And this is what they talk about when it comes to Chile, the Impunche. Mm -hmm. So yes, let me um, get started here. So this is La Recta Provincia from the Chiloe Islands in Chile. Uh, many witch stories and myths are about female witches, brujas. But in Chile, there's a tale about a group of male witches, brujos, who were known for gathering in the caves of the Chiloe Islands. The islands are in the southern part of the country, and they're considered to be inhospitable. So they're usually not visited, or it's not part of the country country's tourism industry. The group of male witches call themselves La Recta Provincia, which translates to the Righteous Province. In order to join the group or society, as they're referred to sometimes, candidates have to go through a grueling initiation process, which requires them to bathe for 15 nights under a cold waterfall to wash away any signs of Christian baptism. That sounds too cold. I could never. Yeah. They're also required to... Oh. They're also required to kill a loved one and use their skin to make a bag for their spellbook. That's dark. I feel like all brujo stories have to do something like this. Yeah, I was like killing a loved one. Yep. Mm-hmm. For this reason, many would blame the group of male witches whenever their loved ones would go missing or were found dead. The group is said to gather in a secret cave in the forest next to a ravine, which is guarded by a Frankenstein-like child called the Imbunche. Legend states that in order to be turned into an imbunche, a baby less than nine days old must be kidnapped or sold to the warlocks by the parents, and it must be from a neighboring town. The baby is taken to the cave where his right leg is broken and twisted over his back. Uh, ouch. His, uh, it just gets worse. This poor, this poor little baby. Okay, his... His head is twisted backwards, and his arms, fingers, nose, mouth, and ears were, are also twisted in some kind of form. At three months old, the tongue is forked, um, which I think is like when you like split it in half like a snake, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the tongue is forked, teeth become sharp, the skin becomes blue, and then the brujo applies a magic cream on the back of the baby, and this causes thick black hair to grow. The creature walks on one foot or on one leg and two hands because one of its leg is the one that was, you know, broken and twisted backwards. The deformed creature cannot talk and it mostly grunts. In the first months of life, the imbunche is fed milk from a black cat only. No other kind of milk is fine. So no cow's milk for this baby. <laughs> Um, and the flesh of a goat, which is gross. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as it grows older, it is fed human corpses from a cemetery. Ew. Yes, even worse. In this part, I read... So, there was the Wikipedia Spanish article on the Imbunche, and then there was the English one. The following sentence comes only from the Spanish one. It was not included in the one in English. I don't know why, but wait till you hear it. So... If one wishes to enter the cave guarded by the imbunche, it must curtsy and kiss the anus of the imbunche. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so I'm like, oh, at gross. least I mean, this is gross, but I guess if you read this the Spanish article and you're then you're prepared to go into the cave of the brujo. But if you're 
If you only read the English version of this and you go, the Mbuncha's gonna get you. Yeah. Although I don't know what's worse. <laughs> to die or to kiss bad. the anus of the Mbunche. <laughs> it's a no for both. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather I, not. Yeah, I'd rather not. <laughs> Though I think, like, if I had to pick booty kissing or death, I'd kind of pick death. <laughs> I'm sure there's no. some uh, there's some people out there that probably would would yeah, no, like I'd this be like, actually. I'd be like death is is an option. I know it is. Give it to me. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so um, guarding the Brujos cave is not the only job of the Imbunche. It also carries out curses and revenge, revenge ploys for the Brujo, which I don't know what that entails. <laughs> It goes to do bad girl shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Imbuncha can only leave the cave that it's guarding in certain situations. If the cave is discovered or destroyed, or if the Brujo moves to a new cave. So in some instances, the Imbuncha is tasked with moving the cave and it carries it on its back. And it can be heard thrashing and yelling as it ca- it's carrying the Brujo's cave. The heck? The townspeople take this as a sign that there's misfortune to come, like an omen. Whenever strange deaths, untimely deaths, or property damage happened, it was blamed on the group of brujos. And this helped them gain power because then the local villagers would fear them. It's said that the group of brujos ran a mafia-like business. And, I mean, if you're a group of brujas or brujos and you're not, like, mafia-like, then what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, like, what are you doing with your life? I would use those powers for evil. Yeah, I would. Exactly. (laughs) This is why we're not brujas. (laughs) Exactly. I would become corrupt. Yes, 100%. (laughs) That's the whole point of it, though. Good? No, not me. Not even good right now, and I'm not. And I don't have any powers. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm a great person. Anyway. (laughs) Very kind, in case you didn't know. <laughs> if you had to say it, it's not true. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna continue. <laughs> yes, they ran a mafia-like business, threatening villagers with curses and spells if they didn't pay them money for protection. If anyone refused to pay, they could expect their crops to be destroyed or messed with, and their sheep killed. This led to the group being put on trial in the 1880s even though Chilean law did not acknowledge magic. The most famous testimony came from a farmer who admitted to being part of the group during the trial. While on trial, Mateo Coñuecar... That's a hard one. (laughs) While on trial, Mateo Coñuecar... I just said it right. Okay, I'm I'm gonna start over. While on trial, Mateo Coñuecar... Oh my god. His last name is hard to say, hard everyone. Name. I'm sorry. It's it's C O. It's that Enya that's throwing me off. <laughs> it's C O Enya. Oh, why read it in English. Spanish? We'll forgive you. What? <laughs> so read it in English. We'll forgive you. Conyequad. <laughs> okay, okay. I just said it right. All right. Hopefully, I can say it right with the sentence. Let me try again. If not, I'm just gonna call him by his first name. Like, we're on a name-to-name basis. Like, we know each other well. <laughs> While on trial, Mateo Coñocar... That's, that's close as it's gonna get. 
<laughs> who was 70 at the time, admitted to being part of the group for more than two decades. Cogne, cogne, <laughs> Mateo told the court. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I can't say this name. Okay. And I'm just going to call him Mateo. Mateo told the court that the society was an important power on the island with numerous members in an elaborate hierarchy of kings and vicaroys. Sorry, I keep stuttering. Viceroys. Viceroys. Oh, my God. Thank you. Never seen that word. What does it mean? (laughs) A viceroy is I can't remember what it was, but it's like a it's like a political figure. I know they used to use them a lot back in the day. Oh, okay. So, like a political figure. Okay. Googling it. Oh, you Googling it? Oh, perfect. A ruler exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. So, it's basically like, yeah, like the king or queen in Europe would give the viceroy power to. in the colonies, pretty much. Okay, okay. That makes sense. All right. (laughs) Let me get back to this then. And they had a headquarters located in a vast cavern, 40 or more yards long. During his testimony, he also described his first visit to the cave. 20 years ago, when José Mariman was king, he was ordered to go to the cave with meat for some animals that lived inside. He complied with the order and took them the meat of a kid he had slaughtered. As in like a baby goat, right? Oh, I hope so. Not a child. (laughs) That makes sense. Kids are the baby goats, right? Not like baby Yes, sheep. they are. Because I yeah. confuse all these names. I'm not good at animal stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it was a baby goat. Mariman went with him, and when they reached the cave, he started dancing about like a sorcerer. Oh, that's... <laughs> and quickly what? opened the entryway. This was covered over with a layer of earth and grass to keep it hidden, and under this, there was a piece of metal with an alchemy key. He used this to open the entryway and was then faced with two completely disfigured beings which burst out of the gloom and rushed towards him. One looked like a goat for it dragged itself along on four legs and the other was a naked man with a completely white beard and hair down to his waist. We still have these trial transcripts because historian Benjamin Bicuña McKenna preserve them during the trial he also testified to seeing a goat-like monster named the chivito and the imbunche in the cave conyacar said the cave was lit by torches burning human fat and the two monsters guarded the society's ancient leather book of magic and a bowl that would allow secrets to be seen this reminds me of the bowl from harry potter and it makes me think that jk rowling stole that idea too (laughs) probably it's uh, what I think it would probably be like a bowl made out of obsidian because it sounds like a scrying mirror. Mm, okay, okay. And and that's why, like, uh, anyways, I could go into, like, scrying mirrors and how, like, your phone, when you turn it off, you know how it's a black screen, but it's kind of mirror-like. Mm-hmm. Can be a scrying. Can be used for scrying. What is, what do you use, what is it used for then? Like, what is it exactly? Uh... I guess like a thing to like see into the future or past or whatever that you're looking for. Cause I know some people also use it to spy on others, supposedly. If you believe oh. that stuff. So it's like you can look at any time and very Or see the future? Okay. I'm gonna try that. No. <laughs> I d I don't I don't know how I don't know how that works. <laughs> Me neither. Exactly. 
I forgot who told me, but then I was like, oh, but if you have it, it could be used to spy on you, too. Like, it's oh, like a no, never mind then. Street. Well, the government's already spying on you, so it's fine. That's true. <laughs> it's the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> Only people who pass the initiation process would be shown the secret book of magic and be allowed in the into the cave where they would meet the elders who ran the society. Inside the cave, they were told the strict code that governed members including prohibitions on theft, rape, and eating salt. Okay, that seems... Salt? salt seems out of place. Like, one is not like the other. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> you, can't, you can't eat salt. Can you imagine their meetings? They're, like, holding the book, and they're like, okay, guys, let's go over the rules. There's no murder. There's no rape. And no eating salt. Okay, remember that one. It's super important. <laughs> no flavor for you. <laughs> Seasoning? <laughs> not for us. <laughs> <laughs> well i wonder if that has to do with you know how um they say like you can put a ring of salt in places and you're protected by brujas from brujas i mean not by oh, not that not might by be them. true i know there's like a holy salt like uh what's it called that you could buy like uh that a, a preacher blesses them oh or like really? and then you get like holy salts yeah okay okay huh but it could also, I think you're right. I think it has to do more with uh, like that that salt is a protective Right, thing. yeah. At first I was laughing and I was like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure they can't have, you or they something to do with salt. I don't but know still, why though. If, if food doesn't have salt, it's, you know it's missing. It tastes funky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was claimed that these ceremonies concluded with a great feast in which the Chief dish was the roasted flesh of human babies. <laughs> During the trial, several of the co-defendants said they regretted the path the society took because a lot of what they did became based on personal vendettas. For example, another co-defendant, Jose Aro, told the court that he was ordered to kill a couple who had a falling out with Cognacar. Cognac, oh my god, with Mateo. His name is Mateo. <laughs> he killed the couple by putting <laughs> arsenic in their drinks and credited the magical recipe he used with its success. In addition, Mateo admitted to killing a woman's romantic rival in exchange for four yards of calico. Calico? Calico? What is that? The Chilean government went out of their way to destroy the society and two members were sentenced to serve 15-year terms for manslaughter and 10 more were convicted of being members of an unlawful society. Mateo Conyuecar was sentenced to three years. Most members were convicted of murder and racketeering, not witchcraft. The government had a short victory because several prisoners were released on appeal after the government could not prove that these prisoners used magic to murder. It is believed that the society dissolved after the members were put in jail. There hasn't been a trace of the society ever since the trial. And that was the society and the imbunche. I've never heard this story. Yeah, I had only heard about the imbunche by itself. Yeah, same. Yeah. Which, oh, and call back to our episode on, our first episode on haunted sea stories where MJ, you covered the Kaluche, the ghost ship, because we briefly, you briefly mentioned the warlocks and the imbunche. Yes. Yeah, very briefly. So yeah, this was kind of like an expansion to that. Mm -hmm. And I think I forgot to say, but it's all part of Chilote mythology 
or Chiloe, Chilote, Chiloe. Chiloe is the region and Chilote is the mythology, I think. Something like that. I I I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which is which. Don't I'm, quote I'm, me on I'm that. gonna put my <laughs> Okay, and before we get to MJ's story, we're gonna take a little break here. Welcome to the Spooky Corner. This is where you'll hear announcements and anything we have going on and ads if there's ever any. We just want to announce that we have an official date for the movie night. It's going to be August 20th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So if you want to join us, we're going to be watching Madres. It's an Amazon original movie and it's starring Tenoch Huerta. If you want to participate in the chat and join us for movie night, go ahead and give me a follow on twitch.tv slash spooky underscore Christina. It's going to be linked in the show notes as well. Also, we have a Discord now, so that's going to be linked in the show notes. If you want to chat with us occasionally, share your spooky stories on there, go ahead and join it. Okay, thanks for listening, and maybe you'll hear one more thing before we head back to the episode. Hey there, I'm Tara. And I'm Jessica. And together we co-host the podcast Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal. Or murder. Join us on Mondays for full-length episodes where we discuss our favorite paranormal stories and true crime cases. And join us again on Thursdays for our mini-sodes called Stabby Snippets, where we tell you all about true crimes happening in the news. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever the hell else you listen to your pods at. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, by using the handle at Three Spooked Girls. Come and hang out with us and get your spooky on while we scare the hell out of you. And we're back. All right. Hopefully you didn't skip through those announcements. Okay, go on, MJ. So... Uh, my story is on the Mysterious Metal Library, and this is uh, a story I have recently become aware of, like this month recently. That is very recent. <laughs> yes. So this legend, conspiracy, whatever you want to call it, takes place in Ecuador. It begins with a man named Fa- Father Carlos Crespi. Father Crespi was born in 1891. And in 1923, he began his work in Ecuador. Father Crespi was a very accomplished man. He was an anthropologist, a botanist, an artist, an explorer, musician, cinematographer, a teacher. Okay. What did he not do is my question. (laughs) Yeah. What what didn't he? Oh, he was a humanitarian. Wow. He he did everything. Okay. And he was a very educated man. You know, he had the best education that you know, the era he was born into could offer. And this will play an important role later. So he was assigned missionary work in the city of Cuenca, right on the edge of the Amazon forest. His humanitarianism wasn't only for the people of Cuenca, but also for the indigenous tribes. He fed the poor, brought electricity, uh, and among other things. And one tribe he did help a lot were the Shuar people. And he lived among the shore. He took up their way of life. He slept on the dirt floor in a grass hut with with them and lived among them for a long time. He was the first person to film the shore people in 1927. He became someone very important to them and they cared for him deeply. 
they wanted to show him their appreciation and love that they had for him. And this is where the legend of the Metal Library began. The Shore people had gifted Father Crespi a golden object with strange markings on it. This was huge to Father Crespi, not because the object was made out of gold, but because what it symbolized, which was the trust between him and the Shore people, but also because he was an anthropologist documenting and learning about new cultures, traditions, religions, and human history in general was his passion. The Shore people saw how much this meant to him and began to bring him more artifacts, pottery, jewelry, but also more metallic sheets with symbols and drawings on them. Now, some of them were recently made by the Shore people themselves, like within that year or, you know, those few years. But there was a few of these metallic objects that were odd. They didn't belong. Aside from being made of gold, the ones the Shore people made were of different metals. The gold ones were far more complex, and the artwork on them was not like the artwork that was seen in that region. The artwork these gold metal plates depicted shouldn't have even been on that side of the world. The artifacts resembled Mesopotamian, Egyptian, and Far East Asian artwork and writing. And one of the weirdest things is that some of these metal tablets had a combination of all of them with another unknown language in the mix. Hmm. This brings up the question of how did an indigenous tribe in the 1920s have artifacts of cultures from the other side of the globe? And not just one or two artifacts, you know, because Father Crespi ended up having over 50,000 artifacts. What? Oh my and God. And 6,500 of them were authenticated. Wow. As in not made in modern times and not of Ecuadorian origin. Wow. Okay. He had a lot. Thousands. That was a lot, yeah. Thousands. Like, you could you could explain one or two. Like, you know, maybe there was someone traveling in the area and they dropped something mm-hmm. or were mugged and that ended up there. But in the 6,000, you know, 6,500? Mm-hmm. That's weird. just weird. Yeah. And also, what was the unknown language? Yeah, I have questions. That is my question. What was the language? What was the unknown language? Father Crespi asked the Shore people where they had gotten these artifacts, and they told him in a cave. He first s- stored these artifacts in the Maria. Uh, I can't. Uh, this is such a hard word. Aux, Aux Auxiliadora Church. Okay, yeah, yeah. Until the Catholic Church allowed him to open up his own museum. So many archaeologists, scientists, politicians. Church officials, universities, anthropologists all visit Father Crespi and his artifacts. You know, that seems like iffy to me because like they had a trust in him. To, they interested these things in him. But was he supposed to share that knowledge with everyone? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I know that the, the short people kept on bringing him stuff to the museum. Okay, to the they museum. Felt like, okay. Yeah, like so they first they gave it to him, but then like the people in the area really liked him. So they continued throughout the years bringing him stuff. Yeah, but see, that's my thing. Like, did they mean to give it to him for him to have personally or for him to take what they gave him and share it with everyone? You know, I have I have yeah. no idea. They did gift it to him for him to t- like take to wherever he was going to. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I just so I don't know so I'd be like I'll be like they're probably he's probably gonna show it to people but uh, you know even though he like wanted 
to educate you know it's a double-edged sword yeah yeah like like he wants to show people hey look the people in the area have this knowledge yeah i could see that because then we wouldn't even know the story if he hadn't shared it yeah but then once you um other outside sources from father crespi it's like what whatever other variables he couldn't control that become the problem yeah, yeah. Like he could he could be like, you know, come to my museum, it's a safe space, this artifacts are safe here. But then it's like he may when, have good yeah. intentions. Yeah. But other people are gonna get involved. And that's the problem. American explorer Richard Wingate visited Crespi in the seventies. He photographed the metal library. He said what he saw was one of the most valuable archaeological archaeological finds in history, and that the collection had Assyrian Egyptian Chinese and African artifacts. Wow. They were so perfectly preserved that any museum would wish to have them in perfect condition. Again, how did these artifacts from not just on the other side of the world, but from places that are so separated end up in the hands of indigenous people in Ecuador who had little to no contact to the outside world for yeah, uh, maybe like within the last century, if not less. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just weird. But no one in the mainstream scientific community wanted to solidify the findings. It's unorthodox. It's not like anything we were taught and what is considered fact today. These cultures having contact with people of Ecuador 4000 years ago and also the mixture of these cultures together is unheard of. No mainstream scientists would ever, like, back it up. So they weren't, like, mm-hmm. they would see these artifacts, but no one would be, like, I'm putting my name behind this. Right, right. Because it was just so... Out of normal. An orthodox. Yeah. Like, yeah, out an of normal. <laughs> an orthodox is a better way to say it than out of whatever mm-hmm. I said. <laughs> so, and this is where things get a little bit, take start taking a turn. On July 19th, 1962, at 1 a.m., a fire broke out in the museum. Father Crespi did what he could to save what he could, but many artifacts were destroyed and lost to history. And it gets weirder. Many people who were there that night witnessed two people with fuel canteens fleeing away in a car. Oh. It is believed that they stole some of the artifacts Aww. and set the museum on fire to cover their tracks. Father Crespi then moved the artifacts to his private living space and many people volunteered to keep watch, keeping the uh, the surviving metal library safe and keeping Father Crespi safe as well. So they, um, the people of the area... That's good. ...volunteered yeah. to... So, you know, it, after that, nothing happened, but it's sad that... Yeah, that's terrible. It's sad what happened because, I mean... Bet they were Americans. <laughs> they stole and they burnt... Well, it's believed that they stole. They can't prove yeah. it. But, it, like, even if they didn't steal, they... Purposely set fire to it. Yeah, they purposely set fire to it in historical artifacts that were possibly thousands of years old. And even if they weren't, even if they were recently made, those are artifacts that, that now would probably be almost 100 years old. Yeah. yeah, and they belong to the shore people. Yeah. And it's even if it's just the shore that made them recently, that's still artwork and that's someone's artwork. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd be pissed if... Something I finished, like, you know, I crochet. If someone stole my stuff and burnt it, it's yeah. like, yo, that's a lot of hours of work. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if it was made yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Respect it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Many people who follow this mystery believe that his collection was stolen or disappeared after his death. However, in 1979, three years before his death, the Catholic Church sold the museum to the Central Bank of Ecuador. What? See, that seems like it wasn't their place. So it shouldn't have just returned to the shore people. But wait, is this like, I'm telling you, this is like not only a a conspiracy Mm -hmm. because of, like I said, what if, if all this, there's, Okay, so I'm going to get into it, but like, it's not just a conspiracy, it's also exploitation, and we're going to get into that because I have a rant coming for you guys. Oh, perfect. Okay. (laughs) But also, like, this weird thing is happening where a lot of, like, powerful people, powerful governments are involved, and it's very, like, suspicious. Like, it's very, like, what the hell's going on? Why is it? Why are, 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 you know, so many people involved? But um, we're going to get into it. I'm ready. I'm ready. The sale documents between the Catholic Church and the Central Bank also states the authentication of 6,500 artifacts that I mentioned. So these were authenticated, you guys. In legal documents, 6,500 of these objects how can I say it? They're, they're not fake. It's, they're not faking it. They're not lying. Yeah, this yeah. Is legit legal documents that solidify the proof of um, the existence and validate these um, artifacts. Because a lot of people are like, oh, it's just legend. It's not real. Yeah. But there are legal documents that, that like, how can I say it? That um, solidify what Father Crespi was saying, what the, you know, I guess also solidify the exploitation mm-hmm. of the indigenous people because a lot of people are like, oh, that's not true. They just went in there searching. Nothing was taken. Nothing, you know, they didn't do anything bad. But you have this business transaction that's that's evidence. Mm-hmm. And, and aside from the cell, after Father Crespi's death, none of the artifacts were ever put on display by the central bank until... 2016, where Ancient Origins was able to have a private viewing granted by the bank. The bank had cataloged and separated each artifact depending on the culture it belonged to. While the collection had jewelry and other artifacts, it did not have the metallic plates. The bank had the plates on in a separate area, thrown on the floor in boxes, just like discarded. But there was like this weird thing about these plates. They weren't the golden plates that father crespi first got from the short people what? this was this this was more like the um the copies that the short people made like during that time that they were found but not like the original golden ones the intricate mm-hmm. ones so those ones are missing and uh, you know and they had evidence of these golden artifacts because they were uh filmed in the 70s so a lot of the stuff that was on film from the 70s you know, while Father Crespi was alive, a good bunch of them are missing. Wow. Okay. And we, there's no, you can't fully say that this is where they are because we only have evidence of what the Ecuadorian Central ba- Bank has. Mm-hmm. Everything else that's missing, we don't know where it is. But it is believed that the Catholic Church took the strangest artifacts and shipped them to the Vatican City rude so 
so even though we can't say, oh, the Catholic Church Thieves. took it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, there's no, like, proof that, like, oh, yeah, 100% they took them. It, it's kind of like, you know, like, Area 51. Yes, everyone yes. knew it was there. Yeah. They're not going to confirm it, but we know. We suspect. We, we allege. Know. Allege thieves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now to the caves that the Shuar people were speaking of when they said they got it from the caves. They, they said they found these artifacts in a cave in in their um, territory. It's called La Cueva de los Tayos or Tayos Cave for our Spanish challenge friends. Reason being is because La Cueva de los Tayos is sacred to the Shuar, and the Shuar believe that there are powerful spirits within the Tayos cave system. In ancient times, the Shuar people were given the responsibility of protecting the cave. It has led to conflict with people looking for gold, and now the Ecuadorian government doesn't have much to do with the Tayos cave system, and they have left that up to the Shuar oh, people. Okay. So the shore people have full control Good. over this cave system because it is sacred to yeah. them. And they will kill you. Like, it's restricted access. Good, good. Protect those caves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one's allowed there without the permission of the shore people. You will... Uh, I mean, it, it has been, like, a bloody conflict. Lots of people died because the shore people were protecting it. And um, the Ecuadorian government has just said, like, you know what? This is your sacred space. You run it how you want to, as they should. should. I mean, it should have never been a question about it, but yeah. So the, uh, the short people, I'm going to get into a little bit of their religion. They believe that their goddess lives within the cave system, and that's why it must be protected. So they believe a lot of their uh, deities live within that cave system and were born within that cave system. The cave system is mostly unmapped. So no one really knows which section of the system the artifacts were found. And the elders of the tribe are not passing down this knowledge to the youth as they want the secrets to never reach greedy Westerners. As you know, it's, um, it's sad that they can no longer pass down the traditions or their history. But I think that they're making the right decision yeah. because they have been used so much. Mm-hmm. So in the 1960s, a speleologist, which I had to Google, it's a cave explorer oh, slash scientist. That was going to be my question. Janos. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is this speleologist? Never heard of this. When I was, yeah. Uh, yeah, never. What does this mean? But yeah, it's a cave explorer. Um, so anybody, like, you could call people who do um, those cave exploring for fun a speleologist if you wanted to. Oh, but by the way, the, the story just gets more and more, like, insane and and i'm not even gonna touch on the paranormal conspiracy theories very much i'm gonna go over them but i'm not gonna deep dive into them because there's a few okay there's a few <laughs> and when i tell you if you're gonna branch out into these conspiracy theories you we would have been here for like three hours easily because it's just wow it branches out like in so many directions wow. but Anyways, in the 60s, the speleologist Janos Morix was exploring the Andes Mountains, and he was also looking for the mysterious caves. Now, he claims to have found another entrance to the Teos cave system. While searching this entrance, he claims to have come across a chamber filled with treasure, gold as far as the eye can see, human remains, and other artifacts. What he claims, too, was books made out of gold and and metal sheets. So like the sheets that Father Crespi had. Mm -hmm. 
but except they belonged to books. They were like the pages of the books? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, Morix ends up meeting Eric von Dynakin, I think is his name, the ancient astronaut theorist. And Eric ends up writing a book about the expedition that never happened, but he got the inspiration from Jano Morick's expedition. And that book he wrote, The Golds of the Gods, is what made the legend of the Metal Library really popular. And which is weird because it's like it wasn't even his story. It was it was uh, Jano's Morick's, mm-hmm. but Van Dynek was like, mine. <laughs> they steal from each other, too, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> So the story gets a a lot more crazy. In 1976, a Scottish engineer, Stanley Hall, becomes fascinated with the story and gets an expedition going. And on this expedition, the British government, the Ecuadorian government, was involved. They had a film crew and so many people, over 100 people, involved in this uh, expedition. And one of the members was... Neil Armstrong. What? Yes, that's Neil Armstrong. So this expedition lasted a little bit over a month, about like 35 days, and they found a few new species of animal within the cave and some man-made structures. Now, in this Teo's cave, they didn't find any treasure, but the military part of the expedition did take four large boxes or crates. What were in these boxes is unknown, as even the Shuar people who helped them and took them to their sacred sites weren't even allowed to know what was in in these boxes. They had a whole, like, film crew for over a month, and they had a month worth of reports. But here's the, the suspicious part. Videos, video evidence of this expedition is minimal at best. Oh. So they were there for 35 days. And the video evidence that they have allowed the public to see is not 35 days worth, guys. There's a lot missing. And it's very, like I said, minimal at best. And the reports, by the way, because remember, the, the British government and the Ecuadorian government were involved. And the reports are also very small. Not 35 days worth. Suspicious. There's a lot of it missing, and yeah, it's suspicious. And um, Neil Armstrong even said Teos is up there with the moon. So the the man who went to the moon, who went to space, who saw things that most of us cannot even imagine, said that the the cave system is just as wondrous as that. But the reports and the video evidence show otherwise is, um, yeah, is strange. Hmm. You know, how does that like meme go? Two plus two equals four, but this isn't adding up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this goes into a larger problem. Uh, the Catholic Church needs to give those artifacts back. Agreed. And whatever Neil Armstrong's expedition took also needs to give. They also need to give back yeah. what they took. Um, Not only were they disrespectful to the indigenous population there, they stole. And if they won't give them back, they need to repay them. And since the art, yeah, and since these artifacts are priceless, I suggest paying them several million dollars every year with back pay from the day the artifacts were stolen. Thieving is a crime and criminals must pay. 
Only Father Crespi was given these artifacts and he cherished them. Yeah. He didn't take them from Ecuador. He opened a museum and welcomed all. I also find it funny that um, I was reading more into Stan Halls and his granddaughter talks about his expedition like he's such a great man. They took four boxes of things. Four boxes. And even the short four boxes or like crates. Yeah. Big. Giant. Big, yeah. like giga- gigantic. And the short people weren't allowed to see what was inside them. That's your that's grandfather expo Yeah. Your grandfather exploited these people for his gain, brought in government that exploited these people for their gain. You know, they took your grandfather's not you, but the girl the yeah, you know, yeah. his granddaughter, who was like all like she does a lot of publicity and stuff about him. Like they took a Stan Hall to one of their sacred sites and and he stole. Yeah. But he's a great guy. My ass. He's a great explorer? No. He exploited people who 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 I, I I'm just so mad like the entire time. The entire time because he took advantage. Yeah. yeah. And he's not a good guy. And again, I, I hope the shore people are able to one day take the Roman Catholic Church, the British government, and Stan Hall's entire estate to court. Because there are evidence, there is evidence that, you know, the Roman Catholic Church um, did a transaction on these artifacts. I mean, we have the legal yeah. documents with the Central Bank of Ecuador. Mm-hmm. We also have um very publicized expedition on... St- you know, with Stan Hall and Neil Armstrong with reports, documented reports. And while there's a lot of evidence missing, there is evidence that they were there. And that's just fact. Yeah. There's so, you know, they, I don't know, they, they stole and they, sh- they should either give back the artifacts, yeah. artifacts and pay back for all the years that from the day that they took these artifacts until the day they give them back and again i am giving a very watered down version of the story because it is long and we could go on for over an hour (laughs) dissecting this without the paranormal conspiracies you know you could add the the aliens a lot of people believe that this is evidence of the ancient astronaut theory other people believe that this is this is evidence of inner earth or um I don't know if you've ever heard of the mythology behind Agartha? No. No, so uh, so I'm going to go over it a little bit guys, but again, it's going to be very watered down because we're already at an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it already branches out, you guys. Like Agartha would branch out to another like 5 hours because there's so many myths connected to this, but it's basically that that there's a world in like inside earth like inner oh, earth oh yeah, yeah the center okay. of the earth and that the entire earth is connected through cave systems that go through you know under underground under oceans and all this stuff mm, okay. and that the teos cave system is just one of those systems that connects the entire earth together Ooh, that's essentially the theory but it also goes to under underground civilizations and all this stuff so you like again this legend of the missing metal artifacts weird on its own Uh because you have you know the mesopotamian the syrian the egyptian the chinese and all these different cultures coming from you know artifacts found in ecuador that have been there at least four thousand years 
But then you add on the paranormal aspect and it's just a stream of conspiracies. Mm -hmm. And it's also weird that I I, I don't know if you could consider the Roman Catholic Church their own government, but I kind of do. I think so. I, I mean, at least in the Vatican, for sure. Yeah. So I like if you come to think about it, like there was at least four governments involved. Yeah. There was the British government, the Ecuadorian government. I want to say the American government because Neil Armstrong was involved and he was a representative of the United States at the time. So I'm going to say the U.S. was involved. And then the Roman Catholic Church. Why are all these governments and powerful governments at that? Because. Yeah. So involved in the exploration of this area. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what your theories are, but that is the legend of the missing metal library. Wow, I had never heard of this. Yeah, I I recently heard of this and I thought it was bonkers because like I said, you could always say that something's legend, but the thing that I found really weird was the legal documentation behind this. There's like something backing it up, yeah. Yeah, like there's not just like, oh, it's a myth. It's like, yo, there's transactions. Mm -hmm. There's receipts. (laughs) There's receipts, yeah. This is not... Bullshit. So why are we not? Why is I don't know. I think it's true. I don't know. Definitely That's weird. Yeah, to say the least. It's like a the other. Uh, we talked about it before in one of our alien episodes that Josh was on the little place in Argentina that had um, the UFO landing. That they also believe that there's uh-huh. like a alien civilization underneath those mountains. Yeah, a lot of people think that a lot of indigenous people did use tunnel systems like this and so it goes back to like the whole ancient aliens thing it's like uh, I don't know <laughs> I, I think it's people for me I think it's just that we're a lot more connected than people yes realize. yes yes you yeah. know what I mean to me it's just it's human activity point blank period when you think about like the Taino people they have evidence that they and I mean if you look at the tamal itself that's evidence Everybody has like a similar dish to the tamal, which is an indigenous. Even though like we're all, you know, come from different, you know, indigenous tribes, genetically, we're very similar. Yeah, but like there's like evidence of the Taino people meeting with yeah. the uh, with the Mayan people in, in like the Central America mm-hmm. slash southern parts of Mexico and mm-hmm. further up tribes, even up to like what you now call like North America, they had exchanges, all of these people and and people like yeah. don't want to believe it because like, oh, travel was so difficult. But you know what? They did it. They did. <laughs> so they yeah, I mean, if I mean, if if there was like a good like travel route that you could take, it's very easily to get contact from North America to um to you know like the, the islands there where the Taino people come from like Puerto Rico and all that because you think about it they were able to do that in Europe with this the, what was it called the, the spice whatever what is it called oh my god like uh, you know how they would get like um, things the from Silk Road f- from China yeah the Silk no. Road that <laughs> spice. one the spice so they road. would get stuff so, oh no but there was like also like the, the something else with spices with that came from India into Europe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like you guys they're 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 tracking, you know, vast amounts of land and they did it successfully because they again like you said they also had the silk mm-hmm. road and you're telling me 
that some you you're able to do that in Europe, but you can't do that in the Americas. Right. Like right. what? Yeah. It's it's doable. And then we also have evidence that the um the Vikings had contact with uh indigenous Americans. Mm-hmm. Way hundreds of years before um the Europeans came mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and colonized everything. So it's not far fetched that like you know, you had a group of people from different cultures traveling, maybe even traveling together because you just never know. Yeah. Stuff like that can happen. Mm-hmm. And they somehow ended in um, in South America. I mean, it's it's possible. I think there's also evidence that um, the aboriginals from Australia, a few hundred years back, ended up on in South America, too. Yeah, so it's definitely possible. But theories are fun, too. Yeah, theories are fun, too. But I think it's just human activity. Yeah. And we're a lot more connected than we realize. Mm-hmm. But it's also very, very stupid, I guess, to, like, keep it hush-hush. Because it's it's possible. Well, I guess the weird, um, the weird thing about these cases specifically is that they're not really seeing the footage or the... A document so it makes you think like what's down there uh, for me i just think it's just like because money is involved mm, yeah but you could totally see where people are getting the theories from yeah i could i could see where people are getting the theories from because a lot of you know aside from all that to father crespi it was that oh look at this is evidence that the great flood happened in mm-hmm. the bible so i guess it's for each person it like it it, it it confirms their biases. Uh-huh. Yeah. But to me, it's just, you guys, it's, we're a lot more connected than we realize. And to me, it's just human activity and possibly someone from, you know, whatever, a mess, you know, Mesopotamia ended up in uh, Ecuador. And that's how all this stuff survived. Or, you know, some ship ended up wrecked in South America, thousands. Of, you just don't know. It's And it's all possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Exactly. But anyways, if you guys have a theory, I'm interested in hearing. Yes, I do. Yeah, let's um, please share your theories. Is it aliens? Aliens are, it's a fun one too. Um, aliens is a fun towards, one. Yeah. But that's, I feel like that's just romantic, romanticizing the situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not that fantastic. Like, it's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's still amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not aliens. <laughs> so yeah, before we go... It looks like the Patreons have voted for the movie night to be on August 20th. So if you want to participate in the movie night, uh, follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash a spooky underscore Christina. It's going to be linked. I had to think about that because I couldn't remember the link. <laughs> so Yeah, and it's going to be the movie Madres. And I'm going to try and do these monthly. We'll see what happens after because, um, you know, life happens. Life happens. <laughs> yes. And life has been happening. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. <laughs> Um, before we go, do you have any spooky recommendations this week? Um, no, but I am gonna go see Nope tomorrow. So oh, I'm excited. how exciting! I want to see that, but I'm gonna have to wait till it's available at home. <laughs> I do have a spooky recommendation. What we do in the shadows is back. Um, I'm caught up with this season. <gasps> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my god, get on it! It's the I'm best. so I haven't even started the new season. Uh, it's only like three or four episodes in so far. Okay, but yeah, but Hulu takes them down after a while. It's like you only have two weeks to watch. That was this. what we do in the shadows. No, no, because it's a part. Um, FX and Hulu have a like a partnership or something. So all FX. But there stuff. was uh huh. La- last season, some of them were missing. Oh, not for but me. But I don't know if that was like <laughs> it was for me. 
Mm, I don't know then. <laughs> they should all be there. Um, no, but it was just like last season. Like the rest of the seasons are available, but like while it's still like a new season, it's still streaming some of the older episodes and they don't come back. See, I feel like they the do that with non-FX shows. I, I haven't noticed that it happened with what we do in the shadows. I, I I don't know. It happened to me because I was like trying to get um Andrew to watch it, and I was like, oh look it, they don't have a lot. That's so weird. Up. Yeah. Well, they're all there right it, now. They're, they're back again. Yeah, they're yeah, back yeah. again. But like, <laughs> yeah, they do that. I don't know. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, I stand Guillermo. He's my favorite. And then after oh, that, um, Nadja is my other favorite. <laughs> Her and the doll. <laughs> Oh my god, the, yeah. That doll is so funny. Um but yeah, it's what was a great it? Her show. spirit or what Yeah, I don't remember her how soul? the doll happened. Somehow. Well, um, remember they uh they conjured back their souls? Yeah, yeah. And then because somehow technically it became... they're dead. Yeah. So they have no soul. Yes, and it became entra- entrapped in this doll that looks like her too. <laughs> it's great. I like how nobody questioned it. Like after no, that, no, not at all. Dolls just starts talking, and nobody's yeah. like, "How?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is my spooky recommendation. Um, and if you go exploring caves, don't take artifacts. <laughs> yeah, it's just rude. And I hope that people yeah. like it. You know, I wish it was like cursed. To take artifacts that like we were talking <laughs> yes, about with uh, when we did yeah. that thing with six, like if you take something from one of the islands, you become. Cr- I'm like, man, why didn't we yeah. do that? Exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, stay as spooky. We'll catch everyone next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to our spooky supporting us on Patreon: Melida, Janie, Michelle, Monica, Winston, Modesto, Cynthia, Perla, Jesenia. Kristen, Dalia, Mariela, Rene, Iris, Ghost Train, and Madtown Charity. Your support means the world to us. And if you want to join the Patreon and get bonus episodes, monthly goodies in the mail, and more, go over to patreon.com slash spookytales. Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, produced and edited by Christina, and is a proud member of the Cultivate Network. For more podcasts on the network, check out CultivatePodcastNetwork.com. Don't forget to check out our Spooky merch. We have Spooky shirts, we have No Mamas shirts, and we have a cool hat that I just added. It's like a baseball hat, not like a hat hat. Um, We also have a beanie in there, and they just say Spooky on there, but I'm a big fan of the hat. It says Spooky in Old English letters, and I love it. I wear it every day, not because I want to go around repping the podcast, but it's comfy. It's a great hat. You can go to SpookyTales.com slash store. I'm always adding new designs. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and share this with an spooky friend. 